Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. I'm Steve Hartman-Kaiser. I'm leading our worship time together. And thanks to the many people who are making this time together possible. Um, Aaron's in the booth. Um, Peter will be giving a reflection, and John's going to be reading scripture. Um, Eric, David, and Sam are helping with music, and um, Stevers is leading us. Um, also, uh, Rachel H. Scott and Rachel Stolpe have uh, shared both the, the, the visuals of uh, Come to the Water that uh, they used last week at Harrington Beach. And we've got uh, a number of cool watery baubles up here that are part of the blessing of the backpacks that's going to take place later on. Um, it seems really appropriate that it's pouring rain on a day when we're thinking about coming to the water um, with special uh, focus on, on rivers. Water is a gift that gives life. It heals us. It cleans us. It carries us. Water comes from the skies, as it is right now, and it soaks into the earth around us, or it flows to the sea. Do you know how the water that lands on the ground around this church building flows into the sea? Where does it go first? It goes down into the ground. If it manages to find its way into a, a creek, the nearest brook is Honey Creek, down at the bottom of the hill to our, to our east. And then that flows into the Menominee River, which passes about a mile and a half from our house. So even though we're three miles away from our house here, the water will eventually find its way much closer before it meets up with the Milwaukee River and flows into Lake Michigan, through the Great Lakes, out the St. Lawrence Seaway, and into the Atlantic Ocean. Um, you can see on the screen here the Milwaukee River watershed. Um, with the city of Milwaukee in red, and then in sort of yellow, um, all of the lands that collect water that feeds into the Milwaukee River. A watershed is formed by the interaction of a fundamental element, H2O, and a fundamental law of the universe, gravity. And in between these two is the land, the plants, the rocks, which shape the flow and are shaped by the flow. So, what are our watersheds? Here at this place, Martin Luther Lutheran Church, it's the Honey Creek and the Menominee River. For those of you who live in East Tosa, most of you are probably in the Shoemaker Creek watershed which flows down um, and hits the Menominee River near Hawthorne Glen. Uh, Menominee Falls, not surprisingly, Aaron's family lives in the Menominee watershed, but further upstream from us. Those of you on the east side, um, probably directly into the Milwaukee River. I think I looked pretty closely to see where Sarah and Cheryl live, um, where Lauren and Adam live, um, where the Ebersols live, and they live uh, in the Milwaukee River watershed. There's a few of us who live on the south side who are not in the Milwaukee River watershed. What watershed are you in, Ray? The Root River, right? So Wendy and Ray, um, Wendy's actually in the, the watershed that feeds into Scout Lake, which is a lovely little park on the south side but eventually into the Root River. And it finds its way into the Lake Michigan in Racine, uh, which is, literally means root in French. So the Racine River, the Root River. And finally, Liz um, lives in the Oak Creek watershed, which flows directly into Lake Michigan and doesn't connect to the Root River or to the Milwaukee River. There's a few people who live outside of the uh, Great River, Great Lakes Basin. Mark, do you know what your watershed is? Um, Sun Prairie, uh, at least the north side of Sun Prairie flows into Token Creek, 
which hits the, I guess it's the Yahara River, just above before it meets Lake Mendota, which feeds into the Rock River, which goes through Rockford, and eventually to Rock Island on the Mississippi River. So you're in the Mississippi River watershed. Um, likewise, Lisa, much closer to us in New Berlin, um, lives at the headwaters of Poplar Creek, which flows into the Fox River, into the Illinois River, into Mississippi River. And Dom and Juanita also are in the Fox River watershed. So a, a, lot of, a, a lot of thinking about how water connects us to a particular place in the world. Um, so when you hear the invitation this week and in the coming weeks, one of the things that you might think about is, uh, where is water in your physical world? Where do you see it? Where is the closest body of water? Where does water flow to? You can imagine the water that's closest to your home. We'll, we'll begin our time of worship then with uh, a, a reading, a water ritual. Um, we have lovely uh, stones here already submerged in water. But um, hear these words of, of welcome as you consider the uh, significance of water and how water connects us to um, this place to each other, and to God. All of you who feel dry and thirsty, come to the water. Fill your hands, splash your face, drink deeply, let it run down your chin. Living water, we give thanks for springs of water and deep wells for the streams and rivers of our watersheds for the rains that fall. We give thanks for the water that sustains our life. We give thanks for water that washes and cleanses, for water that refreshes and restores. We give thanks for the water that renews our life. We give thanks for your love and mercy pouring into our lives, soaking into our parched places, filling us up to the brim, overflowing in us to be a blessing for all. Come to the water of life. We'll continue worship by singing uh, some songs. Uh, the first one is number 622, Jesus Rock of Ages. Please stand if you so care to. Number 622. Jesus, 
the solid rock that never moves. Your words of wisdom will protect me and guide me to the truth. Jesus, rock Turn to number 63, Like a Rock. We'll sing this one through twice. Number Like a rock, like a rock, God is under our feet. Like the starry night sky, God is over our head. Like the sun on the horizon, God is ever before. Like the river runs to ocean, our home is in God Like the starry night sky, God is over our head. Like the sun on the horizon, God is ever before. Like the river runs to ocean, our home is in God evermore. We'll go straight into Confession, confession time um, with the first two verses of number 453 as I went down to the river to pray. finish the song, but I wanted to do a little mid-song reflection um, as part of our confession time. Going down to the river, we might look to be washed, but we also might look for direction. Maybe for someone who is enslaved, a river represents possibility. 
a risky chance to flee, to leave behind a brutal present, to escape the posse and the trailing hounds by traveling in the river. Fleeing would also mean leaving behind family and friends. The choice is difficult. So, pray, show me the way. For us today, the metaphor might be us stepping into the life-giving stream of God. Where will it lead us? Will it be risky? What will we leave behind? What do we need to leave behind? So we pray, show me the way. We might think now about what we want or need to set aside, to be made clean, to travel down river with Jesus. What is keeping us from stepping into God's life-giving stream? Show me the way. Please join me in prayer. God, here we are, sisters, brothers, children, sinners. You see us here standing on the riverbank just as we are, imperfect, indecisive, wanting to join your life-giving work in the world, but too worried too selfish, too distracted to step into the water. Thank you for loving us just as we are standing on the riverbank. Forgive us and keep holding out your arms to us, inviting us in. Amen. Let's continue singing 453, the last two verses. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, children, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Studying about that good old way And who shall wear the starry crown Good Lord, show me the way Oh, children, let's go down Let's go down, come on down Oh, sinners, let's go down Down to the river to pray as I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Hear these words of assurance from the God who loves us and stands in the deep water reaching out to us. Do not fear, says God. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. By the grace of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Oh, here's the microphone. Hey. Hey, guys. All right, so I know that all of you have started school already. I know that about all of you, right? Yeah? How did it feel to bring your backpack, or maybe not bring your backpack, sorry. Some of us forgot our bags. Um, how did it feel to bring your backpack to church? Is that a little weird? Yeah, yeah, I know. I think but it's kind of a cool tradition that we have here at Milwaukee Mennonite. At the beginning of the school year, we say, hey, 
People are going to school again. Teachers are teaching kids again. And we want to make sure that everyone knows that they are, um, that we are thinking of them and that we love them. So at the beginning of every school year, I try to remind my kids, who are now big kids, that I, what I care about isn't the grades that they get in school, or whether they're the fastest runner, or whether they have the most friends. I try to remind them that we send them to school to practice two things, being brave and being kind. Do you remember me saying this before in church? Have you ever heard me say that? I know John has. I say it again because I think it's really important. And I think because I think that's what God wants of us too. God loves you exactly the way that you are. You don't have to be better or faster or smarter or stronger. You just have to be you. And God loves us so much that God asks us to love everybody else too. Because everybody else is also precious to God. So God asks us to look for people who need us to be brave and kind. Now, being brave and kind are not always easy. The adults that are around here, we're still learning that too, I promise. Sometimes we're gonna do a really great job at that, and sometimes we're gonna mess up. And guess what? Does God still love us even when we mess up? Like 100%, million percent, yes. Yeah, God always loves us. So today, I wanted to give you a little reminder to either attach to your backpacks or slip into a pocket, depending on what kind you want, to remember to practice being brave and being kind. So Rachel Stolpe made these for us, and Sam. Thank you, Sam. Do you know what's inside them? You can take a look at them. What do you think those are? Sea glass, that's right, that's exactly right. Sea glass or beach glass has been worn down by the water and it's really soft and beautiful to hold. And we're thinking about water a lot this fall in church and you're gonna hear us sing songs about water and read scriptures about water. So this is another way to remember that God's love is bigger than the ocean and small enough to fit in your backpack. So every time you look at this little piece of beach glass, you can remember that God loves you and this church loves you and that we're all working together to be brave and kind. So do you want to pick one of these? Pick one that you, you really like. A big one, a small one, it doesn't really matter. Or you can look at this table. Or you can look at the table up there too. You want to grab one? All right, and now I'm gonna invite all students of any age, teachers and school administrators to come forward for our time of blessing of the backpacks, and you can take um, a little piece of beach glass too. So kids, if you wanna stay up here with me, we're gonna do a blessing for the backpacks, all right? Let's pray together. Dear God, Bless these students. Let them know your love every day. Let them feel it all around them and help remind them to be brave and to be kind. Help them ask for help when they need it and share help with others too. Bless these teachers and administrators. Let them know your love every day. Let them feel it all around them and help remind them to be brave and to be kind. They too need reminders that it's okay to ask for help and to share help with others. Bless all grown-ups who care about students and those who teach and care for them. Help us think of ways that we can be supportive and encouraging during the stresses of the school year. Help us to be a church community who is brave in doing difficult things and kind in our care for others. We thank you that your love is as endless as the sea and that each one of us matters so very much to you. We are grateful. Amen. Mark 1, verses 1 through 11. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, 
make his path straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all of the people of Jerusalem were coming out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from the Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Thank you, John. And to all those joining us virtually, I hope uh, that you hear the rain wherever you are because it's been very special hearing rain on the roof through this service. This summer, our family went to Croatia to see Rachel's father, Bill, direct his last concert. He was a professor of music at Bethel College in Kansas and took his choir on a final concert tour of Europe. The last concert was in Dubrovnik, but we also got to see the next to last concert south of the city out in the countryside. The choir stood in the courtyard of what had once been a monastery, and we sat a floor above looking down on the courtyard. As the sun fell lower in the sky, people from the surrounding area came, slowly filling the seats around us and below us on the sides of the courtyard. When the performance began, the evening sights and sounds of swallows diving and swooping and of farmers bringing their tractors in from the fields enhanced the choral performance of sacred music. It was a beautiful, idyllic, magical moment. And then, during the singing of Precious Lord, Take My Hand, the bells in the tower began to ring the hour. The choir stopped for a moment, waited for them to chime the hour, and then continued with the piece. In that moment, it felt like a brief, humorous interlude to the otherwise pristine evening. We learned later that as this was happening, the priest that was hosting the event was standing next to the uh, choir tour coordinator. And as the bells finished chiming the hour, the father leaned over and said in Bosnian to this gentleman, I'm so sorry about the bells. Don't worry, said the trip coordinator. Bill handled it, and it's not a problem. Yes. There was a beat, and then, oh, no. As a new realization spread across the father's face, what, what's the problem, said the coordinator. I forgot to turn off the bells. The coordinator was puzzled for a moment, and then they began. This was way more than just ringing the hour. These evening bells went on and on and on at a feverish pace. Ding, 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 ding. The choir waited, all of us in the audience waited, and waited, and waited. Who knew three minutes could feel so painfully long? They were so loud, you couldn't hear yourself think. When they finally ended, the choir finished the piece, sounding considerably quieter just because we'd heard such an incredible decibel level for the last several minutes. And at the end of the piece, Bill, the director, acknowledged those voices that were spotlighted in the song and then raised a hand up to the bell tower to much laughter and applause. It was a special moment. What was already a dramatic venue and a beautiful music became an event that everybody there would remember also for a very different reason. Sometimes you just have to go with the flow. Maybe it's not watching your favorite soccer team today just because some monarch died this week. Or maybe it's letting that car that passed you on the right cut in front of you despite really wanting to make it drive into the light post. Or maybe it's giving up on a vision you had for something so that the group can agree on a plan. 
Or maybe it's listening to someone when you really have like a million other things to do, but this is clearly important to this person. Or maybe it's like letting an obnoxious church bell take over a concert and just acknowledging it. Sometimes you just have to go with the flow. We Mennonites love the imagery of going against the flow. And there's a lot to be said for that, and that is true to who we are as a people. We follow Christ, which means we are countercultural. We see things differently. We feel compelled to act and be different than the society around us. And yet, if we're being completely honest, we very much are all in the same river headed downstream. And there's not a thing we can do about it. You just have to go with the flow. And maybe in this analogy, all of us on the river of life, it's all about how we go with the flow and how we get downstream. I love the imagery of water, specifically rivers. Growing up in western Pennsylvania, I spent many summer days as a child playing and exploring creeks and streams. I was well aware from a young age of the connection between a small rivulet of water and the monstrous expanse of the ocean. I knew that the stream I played in flowed into Jacob's Creek, which flowed into the Yakagani, which flowed into the Monongahela, which converged with the Allegheny in Pittsburgh to form the Ohio, which flowed into the Mississippi and emptied into the Gulf of Mexico. Rivers have always played a special role in my life. I've tubed with my grandfather down the lazy north fork of the Holston River in southwestern Virginia that flows by the Scott family farm where my sister Corey and her family now live. Someday, I would love to visit my other grandparents' birthplaces in the Volga River Valley in Russia. My Oma was born the youngest of 14 siblings in Donskaya, now called Samara, the third most populous city on the Volga River. When she was seven, her family fled to Canada, leaving many of her older siblings behind and settling by the Red River in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I felt the excitement and dangers of whitewater rafting on the Yakagani, very near to where I grew up. When my boys were young, we would go down to the banks of the Conestoga River in Lancaster to have picnics. Just a few miles from where we sat, the Conestoga joined the wide Susquehanna that flowed into the Chesapeake Bay, which flowed to southeastern Virginia by the island that my grandmother's Crawford clan settled hundreds of years ago, looking for a better life in a new, different world. One where they made their way and found success by exploiting others, owning slaves, all this close to where the bay meets the Atlantic Ocean. Today, I am acutely aware of living just up the hill from the Menominee River, which meets up with the Milwaukee and the Kinnikinick River downtown to flow into Lake Michigan, and that will flow by so many peoples and different places through Lake Huron to Lake Erie, then on to Lake Ontario, down the St. Lawrence Seaway by my aunt and uncle and cousins and their families in Montreal, and finally, joining the Atlantic Ocean. Like people, rivers travel sometimes moving slowly and sometimes in a great hurry. Rivers follow the path of least resistance, even if it means going out of the way or meandering in directions that make squiggly inefficient lines on a map. With a global climate crisis, we've witnessed that rivers can die, just dry up. Out west, the drought in the Colorado River Basin is threatening to change how the inhabitants of that part of the world live, and certainly how they work and farm as well as play. And we've seen the devastation that can occur when a river floods. My prayers are with the people of Pakistan, 33 million of whom have been affected by flooding just in the last couple of weeks. The area that's flooded, a third of the nation, is equivalent to the size of the state of Colorado. There's good reason that rivers have been used to describe life's journey again and again. They're dramatic, powerful, inspiring, and we know we need them for life. Today's scripture choices were a very long list because of the prominence of, and significance of water 
and rivers in particular. Whether it's the creation story in Genesis or Moses crossing the Red Sea or the psalmist remembering the Israelite people weeping on the banks of the rivers of Babylon or John the Baptist baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River or the woman at the well giving Jesus a drink or Paul telling the false prophet that he would not be able to see in a mist blinding his eyes or from Revelations, an angel showing the river of the water of life bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the city. And on either side of the river is the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Our conference, Central District Conference, is using the imagery of a tree this year. Clearly, the tree of life and the river of life are not unrelated. Next week, we will have the opportunity to celebrate and remember our relationship with our conference as representatives from the uh, Central District Conference will be here as part of the sacred listening process. We will recall our experiences upriver, those times and places that we have had opportunity to relate and experience our life as a congregation in relation to our conference. I hope you can be a part of it. Remembering is so important. It's important in helping us understand where we are now and where we might be headed. This past May, I got to follow a river upstream. Ray invited me to join him on a cruise up the Danube traveling through Hungary, Austria, and Germany. I was very excited to see, visit so many places and spaces I'd heard about but never been before, going upstream on a famous river, stopping to visit big and little cities, small towns, and just watching the bank go by, seeing and experiencing the lives and history of different peoples and cultures is such a gift. It was after our travels ended in Munich that I joined my family in Dubrovnik, Croatia. We traveled up into Bosnia and Herzegovina to the city of Mostar, where we met Rachel's father, Bill, and his choir. The Nuretva River cuts through Mostar with amazingly clear, cold water from the mountains. It also divides the city, Christian Croats living on the west side of the river and the Muslim Bosnians on the east. We followed the river back out of Bosnia to the Adriatic Sea and then down along the coast to Dubrovnik and then further south to a little town nestled on the side of the mountain that looked out across the flat land of the sea. It was in this gorgeous setting, in that monastery that dated back to the 14th century that Bill gave his second to final concert. We learned earlier in the evening a bit of the history of the monastery, looking Far upstream in time, we heard about the monks who lived there for centuries, living lives for Christ in a committed community. The church had seen so many nations and occupying forces come and go. More recently, it had seen the rise and fall of the Soviet era in Yugoslavia, and then the subsequent war between many of the groups that had made up the communist nation, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Serbia, Bullet holes still pocked the walls of the holy space, a reminder of the violence, the tragedy, the death that still haunts the region. Everywhere we went, it was clear that resentment and bitter feelings continue to flow behind a dam of decency and stability. And then the concert began, and it was beautiful. And when the bells chimed the hour, I chuckled with everybody. And when the bells began to toll incessantly, I experienced something very different. As many of you know, I love films. What has always been the great draw for me is the window it affords me into other people's experience on the river, sometimes way upstream from where we are now or at the same place I am and yet a very different perspective, or considering what things might look like downstream where we haven't even been yet. I'm a sucker for a good film. And there are many examples of good films that incorporate church bells in powerful, meaningful ways. 
Often they're used to symbolize hope and happiness at the end of a film, ringing out joy and life. Sometimes they're used as a cautionary sound, warning of a fire or oncoming aggressor. But in that moment, during the concert, I recalled another film, Breaking the Waves. It's a film that I can't say that I would recommend. It's amazing storytelling, but it is so brutal and painful, showing the life of a very simple Scottish woman trying to make her way and be a good wife, be a good person, be a good Christian. And she is cast out in every way. The last 30 minutes of that film was some of the most difficult viewing of my life. I don't know that any of you will ever watch it, so I'm just going to spoil it for you. At the end of the film, she dies. And after what has been a two and a half hour experience of handheld close-ups and narrow shots, all feeling very much like a documentary, the very last shot is looking down from the sky and church bells ringing in the clouds. She is being rung into heaven. This all came to me in an instant as we sat listening to these super loud bells and I was overcome. The closest I can describe the experience was how my mom has described one of her worst asthma attacks sitting in a car on the way to the doctors and knowing she needs to get there, but feeling this overwhelming urge to just open the door and jump out, to get out and not being able to. The bells were demanding our attention. It was as if every soul that ever traveled the river in that spot were grabbing me by the face and saying, I was here. I am here. And just as unnerving and disquieting the experience was because everybody around me was laughing. I'm sure that I will be unpacking that experience for years to come, but I want to be very clear about why I share it with you and what I see as its significance to us. I share it because it was such a different experience than the corporate experience around me. And yet, I am so thankful for both that corporate experience and my personal experience. Both were very special. This is not me saying, see, there's another way to experience life or events, or see, this is what one really should have been feeling in that moment, or that somehow the profundity of my experience with the bells was somehow better with, than, than anybody else's. No, it wasn't. I feel very strongly about that. But it was different, profoundly different. And there must be room for those differences. There must be room for all to experience in their own way. To be a witness to God's love and creation in your own way. We are so quick to put things in boxes or assume everybody is experiencing life in the same way we are. And they're not. And that's great. And so, as we bless our backpacks and this coming school year, as we enter this fall, having commissioned Team What to look at what we feel compelled and also willing to take on as a congregation, and as we each find our way down the river, recognize that just because we are at the same spot in the river, we each have our own passions and perspectives, our own challenges and triumphs. 
and all of them are different, and all of them are seen and known by God, and all of them, all of them are a blessing, giving us a bigger, fuller picture of the river. Thank you, Peter. Um, we'll start our response time with uh, Voices Together number 156. There's a wideness in God's mercy. continue our time of praying together. Pray with me. Dear God, for wideness and welcome and mercy and kindness and healing and your loving presence, we give thanks. We give thanks for each person in this place, in this room, gathered here, protected from the rain. We thank you for the generosity of Martin Luther Lutheran Church in providing us with a beautiful place to have our worship services. We give thanks for all the backpacks and the people who carry these backpacks and for the way that they will flow into the world. God, we're grateful that our words are heard by you, that you listen to us, your children standing by the bank of the river, wanting to join you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our sending song is number 838, The Peace of the River, Peace of the Earth Be With You. The Peace of the River 
Receive this blessing. The peace of the earth be with you. The peace of the heavens too. The peace of the rivers be with you. The peace of the oceans too. Deep peace falling over you. God's peace growing in you. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks, thank you to all of you for being part of this worship service and for those who helped to lead it. Go in peace. <laughs>